0: Ought to have been two, four, five, six. <laughs> we return to the 41st millennium with State of the Saves Game Club on Warhammer Space Marine. Welcome back, everybody, to part two. Very glad to have everybody back with us. As always, I am Eric, of course. With me, Michael. How you doing, Michael? Time traveling to the 31st millennium takes a toll. Yeah, I also timed that perfectly, so the moment you lifted your drink was the moment (laughs) I asked you a question, so (laughs) things are starting off wonderful. Um, With us also, Nick, how you doing, Nick?
1: Doing great.
0: Hey, see, I can't see you, so I can't time it properly, so you've got it figured out how to keep me from fucking with you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just
1: flipping you off through the camera the entire time.
0: I appreciate your honesty, thank you. Um... (laughs) We are, of course, back with part two of our playthrough of Warhammer Space Marine. Um, very much uh, looking forward to today's discussion. I think this game kind of comes together at the end towards the the latter half of the game. Uh, we'll also be announcing our part two. Uh, I mean, our next game for the seri- uh, show, we'll be talking about that at the end here. Talk about random other nonsense. Uh, just some business up front. Thank you for everybody who's been listening. We've seen a... A little bit of a listener jump recently. That's always nice. We appreciate that. The more people we can get to listen, the more cool stuff we get to do. Please don't uh also don't forget you can follow us on state of the save at gmail.com. That's our email address. Or you can follow us on at stateofthesave at Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. I'm sure there's like ten other things we're on somewhere. But you know, wherever State of the Save can be found, you should follow us on there. Uh, all that business out of the way. Let's talk about some uh, some stuff we're here to talk about. Let's talk about video games and video game-like accessories. Um, <laughs> right off the top, uh, Michael, you and Nick have been fiddling around with a new game that's come out recently. I've been seeing a lot of talk about it. Uh, would you like to go ahead and talk about your kind of game you're bringing to the table today?
2: Sure. This game took me by surprise. It was one of the PlayStation Plus games for- for this month and once i started playing it i found it very hard to put down that game is meet
0: your maker okay uh nick also you've been playing meet your maker kind of walk me through meet your maker i have not been playing this i'm uh the only full extent of my understanding of this video game is from the discord messages i've seen you two talk about it so kind of <laughs> give me a walk through what meet your maker is
2: Okay, want me to take this, Nick? Sure. Alright, so Meteor Maker is a game where you build a sort of dungeon filled with traps with a material in the middle like a little treasure element that you need to get to and or protect with your base and players from around the world will come in and try to Navigate your dungeon, steal the treasure, the element, and escape. And at the end, they can rate if it's a good dungeon or not. That's kind of the very basic gist of it. But once you dive into the. It's one of those, it takes a little bit to kind of figure out the intricacies, like how all the traps works how all the enemy placement works. And it didn't feel like I fully had a grasp on what the game was until I spent some time building my first dungeon. Because then I could see and play test how each trap interacts with each other, how to map out uh, enemy tracks, like where they move and where they patrol, kind of thing. But I've had a lot of fun with this, where it's become my. It's a good lunch break game, because you can go and it's fun to just look at your base and see how many kills you racked up, and what's cool about this versus something, another game I love, like a Mario Maker, is that you don't just see where they died, you can see full replays of their attempts and all the times they died, so it's fun just at lunch break, get some food, pop pop in, meet your maker, and then check out, um... Just all the replays, like, two or three replays that are racked up in the past day, and are just watching people fall for my traps.
0: It's pretty great. Is there any, like, punishment for people succeeding in like, getting to the treasure at the center of your base? Or is there anything that, like... I know they get something, but is there anything that, like, is, like, a negative consequence for that, for you as the, the creator of the base? So you have two options. You get xp
2: for you get xp for kills and xp for if they think it's a fun base so you're incentivized not to necessarily create like death traps and everything but there are two options when you put your base or three options for when you put your base online one is on social where it's just a social raid meaning there's no xp and it can be up for as long as you want to that's good for sharing your base like i shared uh a couple of my bases with nick and he was able to play test them run through them and i was able to make some changes to them based on some of the some of his replay stuff and then you can put it on uh just a standard loop where it'll appear in people's um list to choose from whenever they go out and do raids the other option is like a high risk high reward thing where you get more xp per kill But you lose. That's where you like lose the XP whenever they take something. On the other one, you don't lose anything for when they take something. But you can do like I made a really hard base. I can set this to as like a brutal base or something, and then they there's like more of a risk there.
0: It reminds me of a lot of like the mother base stuff from Metal Gear Solid Five, where you could have like your base be raided by other players, and they try to steal stuff from you and things like that. Uh, Nick, what is, your, what is your thoughts on this? You've been playing it as well. How, how have you been you know, faring with it so
1: far? Um, it, it's one of those, I think Michael said the exact same thing, whereas I didn't think that I was going to be as into this as I am uh, the more time that I spend with this. Like, you go into it, and you're like, okay, I, maybe I just don't build a base, and you play through like, five or ten levels and you're like okay i'll give it a shot and see this and then it's like fast forward you know 30 hours and you're like watching replays and counter playing people's like caution and stuff um my first base i think i put it on social and michael like found a huge exploit so i just completely destroyed it and then my second base got three kills and i left it on the high note right there
0: (laughs) (laughs) you're like success um do you
2: The moment of this game is when you see someone fall for a trap that you bait them into. And once that, like, clicks, that's when the, uh, like, the serotonin starts kicking in, where you're like, I want to do that again. So then you design counter traps for, like, whenever they, like, smarten up. Like, okay, they'll figure this out, but I'll put a trap here. And you're just constantly playing, like, the game of, figuring out what they're going to do and trying to outsmart people before they even play the bases and that's when
0: the that's when the addiction kicks in for this game i imagine also there's like it seems like both of you are more into the building side of it than the playing side of it like how is the how does it play like from an experience of rating other people's bases because you guys seem real high on the building side are you enjoying the rating side of it as well I almost
1: exclusively raid. Like, I've built that one base. I feel like the... And maybe it's just because... I don't know how long it's been out. But I feel like the drip of... I'm getting enough of this resource to... Actually change my base or their traps fundamentally... Is a little slow for me. But I've only been playing for like maybe three or four days. But the raiding aspect reminds me a lot of Phantom Abyss. Yes. Except for you're not locked out as soon as you lose. Like, you are going through and disarming traps. And like Michael said, it's at the point now where there's like a meta that is constantly evolving. Where like, the first thing is like, oh, you just put this trap around the corner where people can't see it. That's enough to get them. And then like, one step up from that is like, okay, you put a trap to catch them when they fly over to get their arrow because you have two shots. You're limited to two shots. So if you shoot one, you have to go and retrieve it before you can shoot it again. So like, people are just like, constantly like just adding one more step to try to catch you and then you get like full blown like at the the top end is just like basically mario maker like kaizo levels where like you are only <laughs> going to succeed if you do the you know call of duty 4 throw the grenade at this time run here uh you got a line across here you have to get a melee kill for this trap to get the speed boost it's like people are insane with this stuff every
0: single <laughs> every single base is just a mile high club um, yes. From Call of yes. Duty Four, yeah. Um, what is your success rating? Like, do you think you're like fifty fifty on your succeeding, or you know, like, how often do you succeed in rating people's bases?
2: Most of the time, I succeed, but I usually die a couple times. There are some bases where I die a lot to in order to ultimately get it. I think I've only stopped like two or three total, and. you can just you you can just walk away from the base if you don't think you can do it but i don't have try not to have that defeatist mentality i try to finish bases unless they're like kill rooms that i'm like that are not fun
1: see i will still beat my head up against those kill rooms like how what's your highest death count michael
0: Ah, uh, maybe 12,
2: I think, before oh, I yeah, tap crazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was, like, a I'm really like, low-key way of being, like, you're just bad at this game then, because I feel like <laughs> you were trying to set them up for, like, well, I've had a higher death count on these, and then Michael said 12. You're like, oh, that's crazy. You, you, you <laughs> don't Well, get-
1: no, I'm saying, like, I... The highest that I've got is, like, 36. Okay, like, never mind. <laughs> like, I've died 36 times in a dungeon, but it's because they have a uh, weird like attribute system or whatever where the more dungeons you complete in the week the higher your reward are is yeah and then they have a smaller thing called like champion dungeons or something like that so you complete so many and you fill up this bar and you can get a huge drop of rewards so i always go up to the hardest difficulty for those because it like instantly levels all of your guys
2: yeah so those are the the big hard ones To do. I usually, when I do champions, I do like the small ones because the the normal difficulty ones, because those output resources to where I can prestige my base. Because one thing I didn't like at first until I realized what they were doing is your bases are only live for a day before you have to add more resources to them in order to keep them up for an additional day.
0: I guess that kind of makes sense, though, because they don't want people just, like, making bases, posting them, and just leaving them up and leaving them in the queue where, like, people might, you know, come across, like, half-finished or just not well-thought-out bases. So,
2: yeah, it encourages you to uh, go out and do raids so you can come back and build onto your base. And as you continually upgrade your base, once it levels up after you get a lot of kills... You can upgrade your base. The prestige number gets higher, and then you can add, with the higher prestige, you can add more traps, more enemies to your base and everything. I have a level... My first base, the uh, first one I sent to Nick, now is a level 5 prestige base, and because of that, it's now a champion base. So it'll appear whenever the champion bases appear. So I'm getting more and more plays on it.
0: Kind of draws more traffic to it um yeah because
2: it because it outputs higher rewards whenever yours appears on the list so whenever mine appears on the list there's more incentive to play mine so it's very smart with how it kind of there's no direct curation system you can like give certain accolades to bases. like say this one's artistic this one's brutal this one's fun but there's ultimately no like yay or there's no yay or boo system from like mario like, maker or something yeah there's no like here's a direct negative <laughs>
0: response <laughs> i think your base sucks bro um <laughs> no I, i'm did either of you guys see this game coming or is this something that kind of popped up on your radar when it was released because i had not really heard much about this until you guys started talking about it there was a trailer for
2: it a while back and i'm like that seems interesting then I saw, uh, I think Jeff Gersman play a bit of like the beta. And then they announced it was going to be on PS Plus, going, I was interested in this. Let's check this out and see. And then I played a bit and was like, well, it's kind of Phantom Abyssy. I think Nick would really like this. So I suggested it to him. And,
0: yeah. 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 I mean, I just think it's cool. You know, it's always cool with stuff that like, comes out of the left field and, like, really hooks you. It's cool to, like, look forward to something and be excited about it. But it's, uh, it's a different kind of level of uh, of treat when it's just like hey out of nowhere here's this thing you're gonna enjoy, like, um, Michael you have one more game you wanted to talk about uh you want to hit that up real quick yeah very
2: briefly uh so I got I got Zelda, as in uh I really wanted to, uh go ahead and put some money down on Zelda since that's gonna be a day one purchase for me, but I was also looking at some other stuff including like. For a while my wife and i wanted to play kirby in the forgotten land it's kirby's first 3d adventure she really loves kirby but they're she doesn't like playing 2d games and this this being kirby's 3d adventure i'm like "Ah, well nintendo games are usually 60 dollars we can try to wait for it to be like a sale and everything so those two things kind of aligned in an interesting way because nintendo has a voucher program to where online members for 100 dollars can get Two vouchers for that are good for any two games. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom is going to be a seventy-dollar game or a fifty-dollar voucher. So I was going to be wanting to get Zelda anyway. And I'm like, well, I'm saving twenty bucks on Zelda, and I can kind of get. I already had of uh, some money. I had like ten bucks in rewards money on my Nintendo Switch voucher. Those things sort of lined up, and so they. It just happened to work out that way because I was going to get Zelda anyway. And so now I got Kirby in the Forgotten Land. So my wife it's and I the, are,
0: well... It's the equivalent of walking in and like dumping a bunch of change from one side onto the thing. And then here's my gift card on this side. Exactly. <laughs> every time like you you're better at playing these systems to get deals than i am i'm just a person who just doesn't want to be bothered with it and just pays the money up front but i do appreciate your level of like i'm gonna combine this deal and this voucher and this gift card to to get this i appreciate your level of commitment to it if i I use the
2: vouchers my rewards points and my gift cards i can save some money on this zelda and make it a fifty dollar game instead of a seventy
0: dollar game, and I got Kirby. So, woo! Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, a good, it's good. It's smart. It's smart use of your money. I just don't. I never have the commitment to anything that much to be like, I just pay the money just to get it done. Um, so, you, but you acquired Kirby because I've of acquired, this. I acquired How are you Kirby. feeling about Kirby?
2: This is a really fun game, and it's one that I was I was looking for a game for a while for my wife and I to play together, and this one is. Almost a great, almost a fantastic co op game. Where I think it lacks is she was a bit intimidated a little bit by Kirby's moveset because Kirby absorbs enemies and then has a. Uh, absorbs the attacks of those enemies, so Kirby has a bunch of different movesets and everything. Player two plays as a bandana waddle D, like a little mini Kirby with a bandana and a spear. So he has like one move set for him to use and everything and she was fine with that at first until she got really good at it and now she's like i wish there was more i could do with this like upgrade the staff to have more abilities and everything the staff gets stronger as you level up kirby's abilities and kirby gets stronger so they're both the same like playing field but waddle d doesn't get any additional attacks or anything and i was like well we you can play as kirby if you want
0: to and she was like "Ah, uh, no that's a little too much right now It is a smart idea though to have like a a more simplistic character as player two to kind of give you somebody like hey you know I know they've kind of messed around with that a lot like I remember a couple of the Mario games and stuff like that had like more easier co op partners and stuff like that I mean that that's a cool concept but I feel like yeah you gotta find that bridge to kind of take the player from the easier partner to the full on experience a little bit more smoothly. Because this being Kirby's
2: first 3D game, there's a lot more to it versus a 2D game where Kirby's moveset per weapon was a lot more limited versus here, you your get upgrading abilities. Like, it's not just the straight-up bombs anymore. Now Kirby, once you upgrade the bombs, Kirby has a chain bomb where you can throw three bombs at once, and if they're close together, they'll link up and then create a huge bomb when it one touches another. So it's... There's a lot it's a lot more complicated of a moveset for Kirby than I was expecting. But overall, the game's very charming. The levels are basically the perfect length. There's a lot of side stuff in those levels that we're constantly looking for and finding. We're having a fantastic time with the game. We're close to unlocking the fishing mini game. We've been looking forward to that. <sighs> <laughs> we unlocked the like basically the burger shop mini game which she loves because it reminds her so much of like this akim possible rufus um taco game she used to play on disney.com back in the day oh okay I like, that game. Like, a <laughs> flat, like a flash game yeah it reminds her of that so we played that a lot there's a co-op version and we we've been playing just that mode every night and it's been it's been a lot of fun trying to beat our high scores and everything
0: I wonder if anybody, I wonder if anybody like has a good like documentation of like all those flash games because I know that a lot of them are like not playable anymore and stuff like that. I wonder if there's like somebody who went out and documented all of those damn things There has because there's a to lot be. of like really creative, like little flash games. Some of them like just like borderline gifs. <laughs> you know, he hit like two buttons the entire time. But like I do wonder if someone like went through and documented all those things. I remember
2: uh, just a few of those off the top of my head. For like, not, I'm sure they're out there for like Armor games and stuff, especially like archives of those. But I want like the, the Cartoon Network games, the Nickelodeon, the Disney Channel stuff. Just the ones that would go in when there was a new show and check to see what Flash games were added.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I just, you know, I sit there and I go, man, there was a time where like that was like, yeah, those whole websites that were just like, here's a page of, like, 500 Flash games, <laughs> you know, click whichever one, one, half of them don't even work, but, um, figure it out. I just wonder if it, yeah, yeah if they like, somebody went through and, like, hey, let's really document these things before they disappear, because if not, I would hate, like, I, I hate the concept that something, like, is completely gone forever, you know, I always, you know, with physical media, you can, you know, somebody will have a copy somewhere, but with that, I do wonder if, like, somebody went through and like, hey, let's make sure I save all these damn things before they, they disappear. Um, RIP the 3DSC shop. Yeah, some things deserve to die. Hey. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've been, only thing I've been playing a lot of, there's a lot of stuff coming out next month that I'm really excited for, and then Jedi Survival comes out into this month. But uh, I've just been playing Resident Evil 4's Mercenaries mode that was released recently. It's uh, very, very, very good. Uh, they've released uh, basically four maps with four characters. Uh, if you're familiar with any of the other Mercenaries modes, this is very similar. Uh, I've successfully S-ranked with everybody on every map. And I've S-ranked plus with most of them. But I still got to go back and, uh, and do a little bit of cleanup. I want to get at least an S-rank plus with everybody. Uh, I feel like that's the bare minimum I need. Uh, I felt really good. About my scores until you go to the leaderboard and you see their scores and oh, you feel yeah. real bad about your scores. <laughs> Every I time was... you do one, they're like, "Would you like to upload this to the leaderboard?" And you're like, "Yeah, I, I did pretty good here." And then you go to the leaderboard and like, "Oh shit, I don't want no way to know that I can't compete with these guys."
2: It just shows you how massive of a game Resident Evil Four ended up being because there's like all the names on the leaderboards for this thing are. Like, it's an extensive
0: leaderboard. There's millions of people on that leaderboard. Makes me happy, though. That game is, is very, very, very good. Um, everything if you look about at, it, it is really, yeah. really well executed. And then this release with mercenaries, you know, it's an added bonus, you know, DLC that's free. It's really fun. It's well done. I uh, imagine that we'll get new characters and maybe, you know, some stuff when they inevitably drop the separate ways dlc that i'm hoping comes out soon um yeah it that game's uh is it's really damn good i'm looking at my professional i didn't play through on professional uh yet so maybe it's time that we go through on professional uh and try to give that a shot as well it's get on my second playthrough but uh it's it's damn good game damn good game and that Marchenaise mode is just fun I'm not really a big fan of, a lot of times, like, horde modes in games, especially, like, single-player ones. I don't want to... Like, I like the the old Gears games had horde mode, and I really liked all those and stuff. But um, I don't usually want to do that by myself. But Mercenaries is is damn, damn exciting. In the past few years, Capcom's made,
2: like, five or so multiplayer resident evils when the easiest thing the best thing for them could do is just spin off mercenaries mode into a co-op horde mode thing and so they like here's happened. a versus shooter that's what you want no
0: it's not what we want it's it's a layup it's a layup but it's they're the easiest are, thing <laughs> they're pinging that thing off the rim <laughs> um yeah it's it's uh it it, it strikes me as a no brainer but i'm sure some guys got like some money reason behind it maybe they're afraid it affects their ability to put mercenaries in the mainline games or something like that i don't think i know village has mercenaries but i don't think seven ever got it but um no no that yeah. would completely go against like the tone of that thing yeah but mercenaries goes against the tone of all of the things that's yeah i, I mean i mean nah I'd... i mean village doesn't strike me as the tone for mercenaries Ooh. Actually, kind of, yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think you put more of, like consideration into that than I do. I don't give a shit. Let's just have fun. <laughs> <laughs> I played the campaign. The cool stuff's in the campaign. Let's just have fun blowing people away. um Yes, yeah, so I've just really been fiddling with that much, and then continuing down the the rabbit hole of fighting games and playing a lot of Mortal Kombat and then Guilty Gear. As I just now get more and more excited about Street Fighter, I'm really excited about Tekken coming out too. i this Tekken, this new Tekken looks good too. It's a it's a good time for the fighting games. Just but, good time um, for games in general, man. Oh, there's so much good stuff. It's a good. It's been a good year so far. When yeah, it's Dead looking I- like it's pretty good. When Dead
2: Island two can come out after a ten year development and be a green on Metacritic, it's gonna end up being a good year for games.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just seems like there's a there's a, a little bit of everything for everybody right now. So it's um, it's an exciting time. Um, even for me, that uh, Warhammer Bolt Gun, which is the uh, boomer-shooter kind of retro-style, person shootle set in the Warhammer 40K universe getting announced for next month. It's just like, ah, here's another thing for you. It's like, ah, thank you, video games. I appreciate it. You uh, tried to help me out in these tough times. Uh, Speaking of Warhammer Games, I was desperately looking for a segue, so I had to try to make my own. Um, Speaking of Warhammer Games, we are, of course, due to talk about part two of our discussion on Warhammer Space Marine, which we have finished and completed. Uh, How did everybody enjoy your time with Warhammer Space Marine, this second part in particular? Let's start with you, Nick. How did you enjoy it? Uh, How do you feel about the game in general?
1: Uh... <clears throat> um i will say i feel like the second half of this game is kind of kind of the winning half um maybe it's just me now building a legionnaires kill team but the the chaos stuff is pretty cool um uh, my boy titus did nothing wrong fuck leandros all my homies hate leandros
0: <laughs> my favorite thing is there is a subreddit Called Fuck Leandros. <laughs> and it only has like four hundred members. But uh maybe it has maybe a couple of people on this podcast are members of that subreddit. Because it's just all memes of people being like fuck Leandros. Um, valid stuff. I you I, I, I believe I agree with you completely. It's something I didn't really think about till uh, we did the show last time. That the second half to me is significantly stronger than the first half. I like the first half, but the uh, the second half has more story and more meat on the bone in my mind yeah uh michael how did you feel about your second half of warhammer space marine i mixed on the second half honestly and What in what way i'm interested uh,
2: okay so the second half definitely does have some stronger moments here the Chaos entering the fray and the, the Orska kind of being like thrown to the side for this like greater threat and everything. There's some wild changes to the soundtrack in this section. Um, this is where I realized that the team, the team AI kind of sucks, and this is where the store, the action becomes less of like a hybrid between like a hack and slash and a shooter. It was like sixty percent shooter, forty percent hack and slash before and this section to me i might be playing it wrong is more like 80% shooter and 20% hack and slash here really? it feels like it's for me at least it feels more of a shooter here because there's a lot more enemies towards the back with stronger weapons that you don't want necessarily go to and attack straight okay. on you have the chaos enemies with swords but they're often paired with again the enemy the Stronger, like, chaos marines who will snipe you. So when you're engaged in, like, a hack-and-slash battle, I found myself getting sniped by those guys. There were bits where I was in hack-and-slash battles and was getting sniped by the the worst enemy in the game, the um, rocket-firing orcs.
0: Was yeah, we did face them pain. before in pl- part one. There is a couple of sections here where there's a... Um, I'm trying to think. I have. I think there was some more deaths that I had from orcs th- with the rockets than I did with anything with the chaos. The chaos. I'm interested that you you shot more because like I felt I had the complete opposite experience. Well, the towards the later part of this game, I'm meleeing predominantly um, because also I'm trying to get close to people to keep them from using those big powerful weapons because when you surprise surprise for the Reveal that we'll talk about in a little bit. But, like, when you start dealing with Chaos Marines and things like that, they have bolt guns and they have plasma guns and things like that that can delete you, you know, a lot quicker. But, also, the game gives you kind of more incentive to go in melee. It gives you the thunder hammer a lot more. Um, and it gives you the iron halo that gives you extra kind of oomph to your ability to take damage. Um... There is a couple of gauntlet sections that I can agree with you on that are like very difficult to get through without having to be very methodical because it's easy to get hit by like a couple of rocket boys or a plasma gun or this above you. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting. Is the
2: big one here.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting that you have more um, shooting. Like I said, is that kind of in line with your play style, Nick? For this, because that just kind of that's opposite how i played it but it might just be placed out maybe i'm just doing it in a different way
1: um i mean there are the parts where you have to shoot you have to shoot you know like i we i think i played on just normal difficulty so it was i did feel kind of more in line where like the you had to prioritize your targets a lot like some some sections did just straight up feel like that uh part in the first half where you're just staring at a wall with like three levels and it's just a bunch of rocket dudes and like heavily armored uh orcs that is kind of how i felt but then i felt like a lot of the situations that you ended up in were easily mitigated with the fury thing like you just pop that fury Mm, and get all your health back on regular melee
0: yeah and you know when you get the big enemy switch where it switches you from fighting exclusively the orcs to fighting a lot more chaos um i always felt like the like the large amount of the like little like chaos guardsmen who are there like just as on um, like as cannon fodder almost kind of were there almost as like health regen because a lot of times what would happen is when i would get in these big moments i would just pop the fury down four or five of those guys to get some health and then use the rest of it on downing, you know, a couple of you know, chaos marines. See, I think those that,
2: weaker chaos enemies. I would go to do the stun move, and they would just fight back. I would, ne- I could never follow it up with a grab to get health back.
0: They would just always fall back. Well, I'm talking. You're talking about the the chaos guardsmen, like the regular humans or the demons. The humans. The yeah, the de- the, the, humans. the humans are treated almost like. Um, Like, the grots for the orcs. They're not... Like, I'm talking about using them for the fury mode when you're shoot, when you shooting. And it goes into, like, slow motion.
2: But even, like, Like, the low-tier orcs, I was still able to stun and uh, use the grab move to get health back.
0: Well, there's orcs and then there's grots. Grots are the little, little guys. I'm talking like... Yeah, you think of the chaos... Like, the space marine... The chaos guardsmen as, like, almost like the grots. That they don't really, like... I never... The little exploding they, Yeah, things. yeah, yeah. The little dudes, yeah, the little dudes. Got it, okay. Like, they look like My goblins. Mistake. Yeah, yeah. My mistake, yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. I am I used the term without explaining it. Uh, yeah, it's... it I think that's interesting because I didn't really see that because I, I, was, I was so melee heavy in this. But I do agree there's several points that it becomes almost like a gauntlet. There was a couple of padding areas in this second half that I'm not super fan of. I'm a old fan... Of once Chaos is revealed, I wish they kind of skipped any more. You do a little bit of Orc stuff because you do have to deal with the, the boss Knob, the big Orc, the boss Orc. Have to have a boss fight with him. But you kind of—I wish they kind of got a little bit more in deeper into the Chaos fighting exclusively because I enjoyed that a lot more than I do uh, the Orcs in general. I really like fighting Chaos um and i kind of wish they would have done it even earlier so we got to fight them more but that might just be i enjoy that that um that whole mirror fight of fighting guys that are as tough as you are um there was one thing you brought up michael that i do agree with 100 percent. friendly ai in this is not very good and if you're relying <laughs> no. on them to help you you're in trouble. <laughs> They're not really there to help you. I'm more excited if they actually do kill something. Uh, <laughs> I went back to
2: during one of the uh, fights against them when we're going off to go get um, Invictus. Because I, I, that that whole room was just full of Chaos dudes that were sniping from way far back. So I went back to heal up, and then I looked over and my two Space Marine... Buddies are just walking into a wall getting shot. I'm like, cool.
0: <laughs> Elite I'm, soldiers I'm, here, guys. We did it. I'm <laughs> really, really glad that they didn't do anything like they like have sections where they can get killed real easy or something like that, and you can fail because of that, because that would suck. Yes. <laughs> that would suck very bad. Um, no, they're not really... They're just more set dressing. I wish they were a little bit more competent, but they're... I, they generally are so far behind me, and that might just be the, the method playstyle that I have where I'm always like trying to charge shit. They're, they're so far behind me, half the time I don't even see them in the fight. Like, I hear them yelling, and it's like, I don't even know where you at, bro. I'm two stories above you cutting down, uh, cutting down some orcs over here. I don't even know where you're at. But um, I do appreciate also that they do a good job of like, hey, they got too far away, so we're just going to teleport them so you don't have to wait for them. Um... There is, like, From a story point of view, I, I mentioned this last time and now that I think you've guys seen it, you know, it's very back-heavy here. We get a lot of the reveals that the power source that you've been going after is just a method to bring chaos into the, uh, the Imperium and kind of open a gate for chaos. Uh, there's a couple other great reveals here that I really like. I like the fact that the Inquisitor is just he's dead already and he's being puppeted by the uh like forces of chaos i think that's a really cool reveal when that happens yeah Um, i knew
2: he would betray you uh but i was really interested in the how that ended up playing out like him being a dead puppet and the reveal of that was i thought really cool
0: yeah um Nick, I'm gonna ask you because you're more familiar with the setting. Did you foresee, did you foresee the involvement of the forces of chaos here?
1: Um, not like up front. I would say like Michael kind of made up a good point. Like they do try to do a good job of just being like this guy seems shady, but I don't know a ton about like Inquisitor involvement and stuff like that. So I didn't see it like a mile away or anything. I thought it was pretty interesting how they kind of tied it into the fold there.
0: I, um, I thought that the, the, the power source was going to be a giveaway for you. That was my, my kind of running theory. Um, especially when Titus like grabs onto it and you get some warp shenanigans. Uh, Inquisitors in general are usually betrayed as walking a fine line between fighting the forces of chaos and maybe being a little bit too involved in the forces of chaos. So the idea of uh, corrupted inquisitors is not that far off. When I played through the game originally, I just thought he was going to be a corrupted inquisitor, you know, trying to, Oh, I have control of the warp. Trust me. And then the warp of course gets a better of him. Uh, yep. The concept that he's been dead this whole time and being puppeted by, you know, the forces of chaos is a, is a cool little kind of twist to it. A uh, little bit of a slight, you know, more interesting way of doing it than just uh, another corrupt Inquisitor, which is something you see in the lore a little bit more often. A um, couple of fun things here. Uh, when the forces of chaos make their grand arrival, I like the fact that it is not a named, traditionally named uh, force of chaos. It's not one that's like well established in the lore, um, which I think is kind of neat. It would have been cool if they would have used one uh, because there's several, like, predominant legions of chaos. Um, I think it's interesting that they decided to kind of go with their own one. Uh, but at the same time, I, but it would have been really, really cool as a fan to be like, hey, these are the, the Black Legion or this is the Emperor's Children or the Iron Warriors. Um, I imagine some of that is that they kind of pick and choose units that you are fighting that are from like traditionally separate forces of chaos armies so you're fighting like the demons are bloodless uh, Tharstors or bloodletters which are like a corn demon there's a a Norgal kind of drone weapon so I don't know if they just wanted to pick and choose their units and that's kind of why they did it this way but it would have been cool to have a named uh, in the lore enemy protagonist group that comes through um, well,
2: they probably had to do that because they gave the, um, the big bad card to Titus's brother here, right? So, they couldn't have used a previously established. Or when he do say brother? Do you mean literal brother? Do you mean brother? All, as in, like, you you got
0: right. an, Yeah, they all. They. They're, yeah, that's not. He's not his brother. Oh, it's uh, there. they're all brothers, like brothers, and so they they are startees. So he is referring to him as like. A, a fellow br- brother of Startes, and it's usually like in this case it would be done as mockery. It's like how Titus refers to his his squad mates as brother. So like think of it like a, like a, a mutual acknowledgement of what they are. Got it. I took yeah. that literally, and yeah, I was, I thinking, was real confused oh, for that's a why, there.
2: I was like, oh, oh and that's God. why he's resistant to the. The chaos, maybe, and why no, his brother was able to all. control it. So, okay, let me just delete some theoretical notes here. Yeah, oh, I, was, I, feel, I was real I confused so, for a second.
0: I, that I was like, brother, what the fuck are you talking about? I feel, I feel so
2: <laughs> stupid just because he's talking to uh, Mira about him, and he says, like, he has a deep... My brother has a deep connection to the warp. So the, he said it so matter-of-factly that I was like, oh, that's his brother.
0: No, okay. That's uh, yeah. yeah, not. That's not. Yeah, yeah. They refer to each other as brother because they are like it's like you know it's a brotherhood. It's so th- kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's not. Yeah, you you don't generally will ever get anything about a space marine's life before being a space marine because most of them don't even know what that is. Um, they you're usually a, a, like brought into the training to become a space marine at like an age of like six or seven. And by the time you become a, a space marine, you have no memory of like what you wore beforehand. Um, it occasionally comes up, but a lot of times when they refer, also you got to know that one thing to keep in mind is the forces of chaos, like chaos space marines are like a bastardization of a space marine. So a I lot of that, times, yeah. yeah. So chaos space marines were a lot of times tone. They view themselves also as you know a pure version. It's the whole. I'm better than you kind of bullshit. You know, it's all dick measuring contests. So, um, yeah, the Chaos Marines
2: they, think they're better because they have the more power. The Ultramarines think they're better because they didn't give themselves over to that dark corruption.
0: It also goes back to a lot of, like, the religious overtones. Like, Ultramarines are a... They view themselves as a the image of what the Emperor intended when he created his Space Marines. Chaos Space Marines are a lot of times Space Marines from you know 10,000 years ago they are actually uh there's a lot of dichotomy but chaos space marines are a lot of times the original space marines that were around during the horse heresy so there's this attitude of like i'm i actually saw the emperor i know he ain't a god kind of thing so you get a lot of that dynamic so a lot of times when they refer to each other in these like almost friendly sarcastic terms is a lot of like mockery and that's in a lot of ways chaos is a mockery of everything the Imperium claims it stands for. Um, So that's what that comes from. Yeah. So Titus and them dealing with chaos space Marines is, is that, Um, got it. (laughs) Anything also with the warp is you're dealing with a lot of like concepts of like corruption. That's why they talk about that a lot. The warp can corrupt you, even though you are not willingly allowing it to be a lot of people get corrupted by the warp through subtle, you know, backdoor kind of methods so that's why there's that the big thing at the end well titus having a resistance to the warp makes him everybody's very suspicious of anybody who can mess with the warp and not have some bad thing happen to them because so the, you know it's the warp by itself is corrupting so is the warp what they use like you were talking about last time what they look into to be able to like space travel the warp is like a uh, dimension that is underneath ours. That is like a primordial soup of creation. Um, you travel in the 40k universe. I didn't talk about the warp much last time because I didn't want to spoil that it was going to pop up. Um, <laughs> chaos is the big bad of the Warhammer 40k universe. So, like, if you were to say what is the main threat in 40k, is it's it's supposed to be chaos um things like you travel through the warp so they literally rip a hole in what is equivalent to hell Got and it, that's no how man. you traveled through it and there is a thing called a gello shield there's like a little shield that protects your ship and if that thing goes down for a millisecond all the corruption of the warp will pour in and bad things happen i'm reading a book right now called dark skies black black sun dark skies um that just had a gellofield failure in it and things go bad real fast <laughs> um uh, if you've ever seen the movie uh, uh event horizon think about her event horizon there's a scene in event horizon where they find like a little videotape of what was happening and it fucked me up as a teenager cuz i watched that movie and I, I couldn't get that videotape scene out of my head of how terrifying it was that's what happens when a gellofield fails um but uh Chaos is like, you know, it's like a corrupting force. Uh, there is beings and things like demons and stuff like that in there, particularly for chaos gods. Um, so, yeah, like that's the main threat of, of Warhammer. Um, so when that happens and they make their kind of reveal that this has been a big elaborate plan to open a gate to allow the forces of chaos to come in, um, it's a bigger threat than the orcs. If the orcs would have won here, it wouldn't have been. It would have sucked, and it would have been a blow to the Imperium. But the forces of chaos having a gateway into the Inner Imperium is a lot bigger of a deal. That's going to be a bigger problem. Um, it is also kind of a a running theme in in 40k that if you fight the forces of chaos, they can even in your success in defeating them, you can be infected by it and you can be corrupted. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So that's they kinda... they touched on a lot of that at the ending of
2: this. And I will, we'll get there when we get there, but they do touch on some of that. Just being around chaos can corrupt you.
0: Yeah. Even if you succeed in beating chaos it is inevitable that you will, you will fail to it. I mean, Technically, in the Warhammer 40K universe, that's where you go when you die. Your soul gets thrown into the warp. So it's inevitable that your soul will be thrown into the warp. Because um, th- that's one of the big debates in like the lore community. Because the the belief in the Imperium is that when you die, you go to be with the Emperor. The most likely theory is though that, that no matter what happens when you die, you get thrown. In, your soul goes to the warp. Um, so you know, it's all—it's the you know, rage against the dark mentality, do not do go quietly kind of thing. That kind of, uh, it's my my personal standing on, on the lore is that when you know, no matter what happens, they all go to y'all go to the warp, and you know, it's all fighting the inevitable. But um, how do you? So we get our big bad reveal, which I think is one thing that's weird. The game gives you another main antagonist. With, without dealing with the previous main antagonist, and so I feel like uh, once chaos shows up, then it like a few chapters later, it decides you got to deal with the bar snob of the orcs. Um, how do you guys feel like how that transition takes place between the orc threat and the chaos threat? Do you like how it's done? Do you feel like it's a little bit jarring I like that they overlap
2: because it makes the surprise that there's another faction here more interesting if we dealt with the orcs and be like well the dorts are over uh they're done they're leaving the planet then that would be like all right introduce the next enemy type then so the fact that we're still dealing with one enemy as the chaos creeps in uh protects that surprise and i thought it was very effectively done because the orcs don't last much longer after that it's in that next chapter where we get that the big orc boss fight which was a really fun boss fight but i like that there's a bit of overlap with them because it also makes it seem like i'm not not it's another uh it's just adding fuel to the fire you didn't um deal with one fire before another cropped up it's still just one fire that's
0: uh, everything um, is never be going bad yes you know? exactly. <laughs> We can choose the um, downward spiral of things are just getting worse and worse. A couple of things. Uh, one thing I went over. I do want to talk about that boss fight. But uh, let's, I want to talk about a couple of highlights in this section. One of them is the kind of the initial kickoff to this section, which is when you're coming in uh, via your dropship, and you're kind of like fighting orc storm boys who have rockets strapped to their back. <laughs> um i think is a cool way of doing a turret sequence basically because you're fighting on the on the ship i really think that's kind of a cool highlight i almost wish they would have kind of touched on it again because yeah. fighting from that stage you know and having the orcs with this rocket strapped to their back and stuff like that it's a really cool kind of moment um, it's a cool
2: image because they have the goggles over their face like they're flailing they look like even though they're like blowing up it still looks like they're having a great a great time that was my turning point
0: for the orcs where i'm like i love these dudes they're they're pretty fun they're very much that's very much in orc like logic of everything barely walking <laughs> and like yeah no, i know sh- i you know i need a i need a way to fly let's just strap a rocket to it rockets fly <laughs> so therefore if you're strapped to the rocket it'll fly um i, I like the portrayal of orcs here is is dead on i, I think they do a great job with it um how does ever let's talk about boss fights because there's not a ton of them in the first section, but here we get a couple. How does everyone feel about that that big boss fight with the boss knob? It's kind of an arena fight. I, I think it's I think it's fine. I think it's okay. It's not my favorite moment, but I like. It. Uh, the boss fight was
1: like pretty good. I feel like as with everything on this game, it's kind of like eh. It's it's an older game, but you know, um, the fight itself i i just lost my train of thought (laughs) um the the fight is interesting i like that again the main driving force for the orcs even at this point is that we wanted this titan but also this this shiny power source is probably a lot cooler and more important because the space marine was dealing with it you know (laughs)
0: i i do appreciate that the one thing i like is the orcs changed their, their entire objective for the war based entirely on like they seem to think that power source is important so i guess we want that more now like it's just is whatever y'all want is what we want um but yeah super satisfying
1: just going in there with the uh the sticky bomb the vengeance thing and just blowing up like you stick them to the the boss, and it just kills like three or four orcs off the side, just as collateral.
0: Yes, that is one thing I like a lot. Also, is you're fighting him, but then like there's just orcs getting killed left and right because of collateral <laughs> of you guys' fight. Like I'm pretty sure he kills his own guys. Yes. Um. So it's just like this concept of like you are dueling this epic battle, and all these orcs trying to get closer, just getting blown up by shrapnel and stuff like that. My favorite um, thing to
2: do with the Vengeance Launcher, especially in that boss fight, was never trigger the detonation. Instead, just keep firing missiles. Because after or keep firing the bombs. Because after five of them, uh, the first one that you threw in that sequence will explode. So you can just constantly keep firing and keep exploding
0: at the same time. And that was a, that made this fight a lot of fun. I um yeah is I I think it's a decent boss fight. I, I do think you get a cool Titus moment at the end where he plasma guns the orcs' head off. Where it's just like, <laughs> yes. it just clear it very clearly like, and we are now done with you guys. I got other problems to mess with. I don't have time to mess with you orcs anymore. Um, I, I'm going to say this, and this just me being like Warhammer fanboy over here. Titus is freaking cool. Um, Playing back through this second game, uh, playing through this game for a second playthrough, I'm extremely happy that with uh space marine 2 they actually kept titus and we didn't like jump to some other random guy because i really i i I, rem- I learned more in the second playthrough how much I, uh, titus is pretty cool he's pretty good he's a good example of a space marine and he's also an example of an actually interesting ultramarine which is not always easy to do because um, well, he
1: doesn't follow the rules well he's just the bad guy the codex
2: uh, doesn't improve of your actions
0: I like I was saying there's a, the main character of the book I'm reading is recently, he's very much exactly like that where to the point that I kind of am weirded out that they didn't just use him in, in this game but he also gets kicked out of the Ultramarines for not following the rules and I've decided that the only way I really like the Ultramarines is Ultramarines who get kicked out of the Ultramarines for not following the rules <laughs> but um loose cannon Ultramarines who don't play by the rules But being a loose cannon ultramarine is just basically not following this book. Like, you don't have to be that much of a loose cannon. Like, you're not having the – because you can do a lot of stuff as a space marine. You can kill, like, whoever you really want. So it's hard to be, quote-unquote, a traditional loose cannon. So here it's like, just don't follow the book and you get kicked out of the ultramarines. (laughs) Um what you know, you deal with the orcs stuff. There's several sequences in here I really like. I like said I like personally the forces of chaos as an enemy uh, set more than I do the, the orcs actually. Um, There's a several times where it starts giving you like the jump pack with the thunder hammer, and that set that stuff is fucking dope. Anytime I can be using a jump pack and a thunder hammer, it just it's just high quality. Um... I also like some of the weapons you start getting here. You get, like, the plasma gun in itself, which is really good. Um, You get... Oddly enough, you never get anything like a power sword in this game, which is weird. Uh, That's kind of like a Warhammer 40k staple, and the fact that you don't get that is a little bit odd. But Storm Bolt, or there's... Like, I feel like some of the arsenal you start getting is really pretty good. Um, I... A couple other highlights I really like. There's a section in which the the fleet that you've been waiting on this entire time finally arrives. And you get a fight on a bridge. um, Where you're pushing through the forces of chaos up this bridge. And not only do you get reinforced by a bunch of fellow Ultramarines. But you also have the Blood Ravens are here. Uh, The Blood Ravens are a Space Marine chapter that were designed and first appeared in the Dawn of War games originally. It was since kind of adapted into the the mainline lore, but it was cool to see kind of a more obscure, off-the-wall pick for Space Marine chapter to be here, because, you know, there's the big boys, the ultramarines, the Black Templars, which we see some Black Templars at the end, but uh it's i always like when they show like more s- small or more obscure and here i think it's probably just a direct reference to the dawn of war games but i was really really excited when i saw a blood raven i was like oh shit you know i was like oh, i didn't see this one coming Um, that's also one of my favorite fights in this game because it shows the power of having a bunch of space marines because they don't, like, make the AI any better. They just throw a shit ton of them at you. (laughs) And so, therefore, it just makes it feel good to have, like, a drop pod slamming beside you and having ultramarines pour out. And you realize, like, oh, yeah, a ton of these guys is practically an unstoppable force. This was a turning point in the game where I
2: really started to enjoy it again because there was a lull from some point in chapter 14 uh through uh 15 and most of 16 where it doesn't feel like there's a lot interesting happening my notes are here just like okay we're walking forward and shooting we're walking forward and shooting but when the even like when the they make a deal big deal of like the liberation fleet is here okay we're still walking forward and shooting walking forward and shooting then the blood ravens into the fray and it feels different enough here to where it doesn't feel like I'm doing the same thing again because, like, the the stakes are raised here. The action on screen is a lot more interesting. It's...
0: It feels like... um, It feels like that's when... It feels like that should have happened earlier because you... Well, I kind of get why from a story perspective it doesn't because you have to do the big fight to get to the Titan to, you know, try to take down the tower and all this stuff. Um, but, like, I feel like once the Liberation Fleet gets there, that's, like, the key sign that there's, like, a chance to turn the tide, still. Um, and they, I think they wanted to probably do, like, some more playthrough of, like, hey, things are bad, and everything everything's overrun, and stuff like that. But I do agree that it gets a little bit hallway shootery, where it's a lot of, like, climbing through gantries and walkways and stuff like that. Um... I do think like when the when you get the big moment when you're de- fighting with the liberation fleet has arrived and the ultramarines are reinforcing you and all this stuff it's when things kind of like do that final big push because then after that you get the cool stuff where you get like more of the jump pack with the, the thunder hammer and all that stuff that kind of yeah. i really really like and you get a cool vertical climbing towards the top of the the spire where you're jump packing up onto places as you go up smashing people with the hammer um and sadly, it kind of leads out into what I wish would have been a better final boss fight. Because um, the big final showdown is kind of like just like a wave-based kind of thing. I wish we had a big duel on top of the tower um, or something a little bit more more to it. This, we is, the get most, a cool, this is the right. most
2: 2011 sequence of all time. Yeah, with just the fall. Every, it's the fall with the quick time event boss battle but leading up to that boss battle is just a a swarm like a wave-based swarm of enemies to get to that fight it's every single boss from this time period just and this is one of the the most one of those i've seen in a while where it was took me back where i was like
0: oh it's one of these things okay i feel like the boss knob fight was a little bit more creative i do i i was let down by this fight not being just more to it i wish it was more to it i think is the big thing uh nick kind of how is your feeling on this like final section
1: i feel like all of the the little pieces of this while they are like very of that time are cool i think it just like the part that really takes it away is the fact that he's just kind of like standing behind a shield the whole time. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: they could like have done a little it little in...
1: melodramatic. And now
0: my forces.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: they could have I mean, done it in they, a they, more. The fall
1: sequence is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I I think yeah the fall se- I enjoy the fall sequence. If it would have been a big boss fight before the fall sequence, I think I would have been in love with it. Or even after, like you
2: knock him well, on the gra- you you weaken him, you knock him on the ground after that, and you do like one last standoff they could have had like a really good melee focused fight here
0: i feel like yeah i feel like it's weird that you know you get the whole him just standing behind the shield throwing waves of enemies at you kind of thing because you've already kind of already did that as you climb the tower you already had your last big fight with all your your smaller enemies i feel like i feel like I've, at that point i just want to get to like give me the thunder hammer. And let me and him just duke it out in big melee fight, you know. I think he's in Terminator armor, so he can be, like, he can be stronger than me and punch me around a bunch. And I have to, like, find ways to beat him. Like, just give me something. I think that doing the wave-based stuff, while very much of the time, just really kind of makes it like, eh, I did all this to get up here and just fight more of the dudes. I do like the fall stuff in general because it is kind of a cool cinematic you know, falling and punching them on <laughs> the way down. It's a, it's a very like, fucker, we're falling from this tower, but I'm going to at least get a couple of licks in before we cl- die. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it is like a very deus ex machina ending. Um, it feels like a very, like, feels like an ending of a superhero movie where there's always a big beam in the sky you have to shut off, which is oddly not very warhammery. y um, That's not usually how things end, but also in Warhammer, a lot of times things end with you losing. So it's like, I kind of get that you got to have a way to make a clean victory. Um, th- there, at the end, is definitely set up for the sequel that has been a long time coming. Like that, you, you know, with the big reveal that, you know, you've been turned into the Inquisition by your, your bitch battle brother, buddy. Um, and, you know, T- Titus obviously, you know, honorably going to turn himself over so it's like ah here's a clear setup for part two of this story it's totally Um, a setup it's a it's a good
2: setup here there's a lot of interesting going on that and uh he turns in uh your partner looks at Mira mira too and says she's also been corrupted by him so the fact that titus and mira are kind of like um outcasts in a way is really interesting
0: um, also, the fact that you're the only other kind of person who could speak up and you know defend you is your your sergeant from your squad, but he's dead, so he's yep. not. You know, you're, there's nobody else really to kind of stand up and you know call you for your defense. Um, yeah, it's a pretty obvious setup for a sequel. I I like the concept of it because I like the fact that you know you're going to get you know Rogue Titus um, not with the Ultramarines going off and you know, with the Inquisition, uh, I think that it doesn't look like they're going to be touching on that directly. Oh, no. In the sequel uh. Because the sequel takes place is about 100 years after this, and Titus is back with the Ultramarines from the trailer, and he is now a Primaris Space Marine. So I don't know if we're going to maybe get flashbacks. I hope that they do something. I hope that yep. they...
2: The opening of that like, game should be like a Mission Impossible Rogue Nation thing where he's on the run from. Well, <laughs> he, he turned he gets himself in. Back in. Yeah. He turned
0: himself in. He would never be an Ultramarine if he ran. Um, it looks like from the trailer there is like some direct references to maybe his time there. He's got his weapons chained to his hands, which is a very black Templar thing, which are the Space Marines that are with the Inquisition that kind of arrest him. Those are oh, black are those templars, the, so they're That's not different.
2: like just straight up inquisitors. Those are a different sect of space marine. Yeah, the black those and white two, armor. Yeah, that um, that armor
0: was sick. That's my favorite armor in this game. Uh, most space marine chapters do not believe that the emperor is a god. The black templars very much believe that the emperor <laughs> is a god. So, um, but they are uh, another kind of big name space marine chapter. Uh, so from the trailers he's got his arms gauntleted, chained, and he has some Inquisition stuff hanging off his arm or that looks like he maybe they might maybe we'll get some flashbacks or something where we can, you know, see him doing stuff with the Inquisition. Um I feel like the that kinda takes the wind out of the game as a single experience because of it being such a big cliff angle that you know, you know, took, you know, over a decade, and never paid off until hopefully recently. Um, I'll be honest with you, from a story point of view, I think the story is fine. I think it's a good introduction to the world. There's a lot of stuff I wish I could have seen, but I also understand that this was not on the biggest budget of all time. Um, I still really, really enjoy this game. I think it's a really damn good hack and slash action-eventual kind of thing. Um, And I feel that (sighs) feel like for the time until you know we see what happens with the sequel and all this stuff it's the one of the few games that actually gives you the experience of playing as a space marine and I feel like it's as close as I've got in a game right now um, and I damn well hope that changes with the second one and uh, you yeah, know hope we see more but I think like I said for me I really 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 stand this game I think it's a damn good video game uh, Michael kind of final thoughts.
2: Yeah. I wish I liked it more overall. I think this game is perfectly okay for me. It just didn't do a lot to grab me. And there, there was a lot of interesting stuff here. There's a lot of cool sequences like the turret sequence leading into a one-shot trick as it cuts to the ship falling on the ground and Titus rolling out of it all in like one shot. That was really cool. So there's a lot of cool stuff here. Uh, I touched on everything else that I really liked in this game. But yeah, I just wish overall I liked it more. Which is totally fair. so Yeah, it didn't grab me in the way I wanted to. I wanted this to be like a way to pull me into Warhammer more. And I don't think I got that here. There are some cool set stuff here, like the introduction of the Titans, a lot of the stuff when you're walking around the city in the first half with uh, Dragon or Drogon, and he, like, you're seeing like all the statues of the what I presume to be like the Emperor, or, like just a skeleton and like, a robe and everything. I'm like, what's that? That's pretty cool. It feels like a lot of the set, the background set dressing stuff that I was very interested in, and in the first half gets kind of lost here and you're like exploring a lot of interior environments here there's a couple of really cool things here but overall like i've liked i think i ended up liking the first half more here because i was and that's probably where i'm more let down in the second half was because i wanted more of like that stuff and a lot of the combat sequences here are a lot of fun i just wanted some Something more to like latch onto because I'm not that I'm not really a big Warhammer guy. I just wish it did more to pull me in overall.
0: Yeah, but which is totally I'm, fair.
2: I'm glad I played it. It's uh, not one that I would have played otherwise if it weren't for the show, so I'm thankful for that. I think that I got to experience something I otherwise wouldn't have. But yeah, overall, I think this game's okay, but the fact that like Warhammer people love it is Still, an, and the fact that it is finally getting a sequel is in itself really cool. I'm interested to see what that sequel would be, and if that one does more of a job to pull... Do, does a better job to pull me in. Because now wonder. that I have the baseline here, because I have more of the baseline here, I wonder, it's like, okay, you have a baseline. Now we can open up the door a little bit more and show you some more wonder. of the stuff that you're missing. So
0: I'm almost wondering like, if they could have done better... And this might just be in your particular case. We're giving you more to latch on to. Like for me, I always worry about overwhelming people because there's a lot to it. But maybe they went a little bit too safe on that from a like a story slash lore point of view. That's I, like yeah, yeah, where they could have given you more to latch on to. That's what I think uh,
2: from like an outsider looking in. I was, uh, I was like. Well, I'm interested in, like, the introduction and stuff going in, like, just the, the mention of, like, Liberation Fleets, like, kind of the Armored Core opening, and, like, even, like, they bring back the ending screen where it's the, uh almost like the the rustic ship computer screen, and I can't remember exactly what it says, but it says, like, Mission Complete or something. That stuff was cool. I like
0: One the thing rustic I fast. technology stuff. Which all that's very, like, in, in line. One thing I find fascinating is you mentioned Liberation Fleet last time. And I sat there and with, it's just a fleet that liberates. But you were like, that's the thing that most interests me. I was I like, I think, I think Michael just needs to be into, like, boats. <laughs> Proper <laughs> nouns. Give... I, was sitting there, I was like, it's just a fleet that liberates. I was like, what? what, what? <laughs> but, no, I mean, I think that is <laughs> a very accurate. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I just, I think it's a very accurate thing. And I, uh. I think your your opinion is valid. I mean, it's just... I think also, I am aware that I'm rose-colored glasses in this because I enjoy the ward so much. So I think that there is probably a healthy balance there. Nick, what is your kind of like general feelings on the game in general? And, uh, inclu- and bringing your final thoughts into play.
1: Um, I will just throw it back to my original statement. I feel like if I played this game when it came out, when I was... A young lad i would be on a completely different path in life um the hack and slash kind of go of it is not a game like a type of game that i'm even usually interested in um but i think with uh with the set dressing and kind of knowing i think i also get like a little benefit of like seeing having seen that second trailer for that game where it looks pretty awesome they got the uh the Tyranids will be in that one. Another Xeno's force, but
0: Wait, um, I don't know if you've had a chance to watch the trailer now that you've played this one. But you see things that they did here that they look to be building on for the second one. Yeah. Um. There's like particularly those some sequences where Titus is fighting with like uh the Thunderhammer. There's some sequences where he's he's got the power sword now, but you see mm-hmm. that like the the jump pack is back and stuff like that. Um, and also, Tyranids are like a really interesting force that they can do because they are a force that leads so heavily into like overwhelming numbers. Mm-hmm. So, like Titus gunning down two hundred Tyranids is is not something that's shocking. You know, it's it's gonna be like you know par for the course. So, yeah, that that's that like watching that trailer now that we've played this one it even like shows like you tell like oh okay they're expanding on this they're expanding on that and plus also from a just straight up like warhammer nard point of view you see like oh man there's like that's a that's an auto bolter. like you see all the new shit (laughs) like it's all the new the new space marine toys are being used where it's like oh yeah that's a straight up that's an auto bolt right there man there's all sorts of cool shit we could do with one of those (laughs) um it yeah i i I, I I wish I would have played this when it initially came out because I think it would have jump started me a little bit sooner because uh this 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 Warhammer shit, man. It's pretty damn good. It's pretty good. It's pretty <laughs> damn good. I just say it. Uh I would've had more I would've been able to buy miniatures when they were cheaper cuz they were cheaper when this game came out. Cuz this is this is an expensive ass hobby. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh but yeah, I listen, I think that I, I think that having three perspectives that we've had has been very beneficial because it's three people coming at it from three different angles, and that's always really cool to see kind of like how that plays out. Uh, I'm fucking dope and excited about that second game. That game, still probably my most anticipated. Now that RE4 is out of the way and it was, it was good and it was solid, now all my hopes and dreams just shifts over to Space Marine 2 being great. Um, but now we gotta talk about what we're gonna be playing next because that's a key factor in this show where we play video games. So we're kind of sticking with the hacking, slashing, bashing kind of theme here, uh, but we're going to a little bit farther back than this game. So Michael, yeah. We are pl- yeah. So Michael, we are playing God of War, the original God of War, not the the re you know kind of imagining thing that came out recently. We're well, going back to the OG David Jaffe-released PlayStation <laughs> 2 God of War.
2: God of War 2005, as it's now canonically called, because if you have two games of the same name, now you have to say the year after they came out.
0: Exactly. It's a so, uh, it's a problem that happens more often now, that everything's getting re-releases or remasters in this and the other. Like Resident Evil 4, re you can't really call... And it's
2: more interesting that when they're a part of the same timeline like you can say re4 and re4 remake and people know what you mean i can say god of war and then god of war four well it's not really four it's a new thing but it's not a remake or a reboot it's like it's it's the doom thing
0: where you got doom 2016 doom Doom. 16 yeah doom 16 doom eternal yeah (laughs) yeah well it's like yeah it's like uh you know which one i'm talking about and one of them i go enemies go ah and fall over and the other one i have a button this entire purpose is to rip demons in half so it's, <laughs> it's that one i'm talking about right now i'll talk about the ah one later uh, So no but we're talking about God of War
2: yeah i put this forward as a suggestion because i never i never played much of God of War i played like a demo for God of War Ascension when i got my PlayStation 3 cuz That was out around the time they were advertising it and was looking for stuff to play. It was like, I'll play a bit of God of War and went, this seems pretty cool. Then when I got my uh, PlayStation 5, I was looking at a lot of the games that came for free with the system. One of them was God of War 2018. We were, were, the show was still relatively new at the time. I played one hour of God of War 2018 and went, holy crap, this is amazing. I don't want to play this right now. I want to save this for whenever we can play this on a show and I can talk about this game in detail because just that first hour was incredible. So I'm like, this. I was like, there's twenty of these hours. Okay, not. There's a lot more of this. There's a lot more cool stuff like this. Not to spoil anything, but I in real in a real time boss fight, I threw a dude into a mountain and
0: it was awesome. But <laughs> and no one got a war. He probably went through the mountain. Yes. Um, God, I it... played several of these. I have played like God of War three. I think I've played the PSP games for some reason. <laughs> yeah, you, you had a PSP. That's one of the things on there. You canonically, you canonically yeah. have to play Ghosts
2: of Sparta. It's like in a contract.
0: Yeah, it's like <laughs> this is one of the few big PSP games you can get right now. So I guess I'm playing this. Um, it seems like a franchise I should be more into, and I don't quite know why I never went back and played the first two. But I am excited about doing it because, like I said, I'm. I think oddly, I have some vague memories of playing it at friends' houses. Yeah, I saw I some of this
2: game at a neighbor's house, but it was in the middle of the story. There was no context. It reminded me a lot of like the PS2 Prince of Persia games.
0: Yeah, they, sort of and they, and they came out around. Was around it around the same time. like? The second Prince of Persia game, I want to say. Warrior when Within, did,
2: I think, yeah. was out at around this time.
0: Or, for some reason, I think it came out after. I don't remember exactly, but I do remember that's when, like, we got to make Prince of Persia more badass. Give him a, a new metal soundtrack. Godsmack. Yeah, Godsmack. You know, a band that would never age poorly. I played that um, game for the first time, like, warrior within about
2: 10 years ago it's actually pretty good but i went from going from i had the uh remaster trilogy so going from Sands of time right to warrior within i'm like what i i knew it would be a jarring shift but even
0: i wasn't prepared for it at that moment i just like also the names are like Sands of time sounds like a disney movie warrior within sounds like a, a title for a god you know well, like a dropkick Murphy's album. They kind of rated it.
2: They kind of rated it in with the third one and being like the Two Thrones. I'm like, that's pretty cool.
0: <laughs> I feel like if you, once you go edge lord, you never come back.
2: Yeah, you never if come they,
0: back for the edge lord. You can you get so edgy, you can only you do to, so
2: much. You have to completely redo the art style and then charge ten bucks for the real ending.
0: Seems about right. So Ubisoft <laughs> making great decisions since 2006 um god of war kind of prep uh i mentioned david jaffe yeah we're gonna talk we're gonna talk some about him okay go ahead and give us the prep line
2: god of war is an action adventure hack and slash game developed by santa monica studio santa monica studio was founded in 1999 by alan becker who left sony computer entertainment's corporate office to form a subsidiary studio the studio had a sort of anti-corporate mantra from its inception, open floor design, no walls, no cubicles between the desks. The team decided from, like, their inception that they were immediately going to focus on the PS2, leaving the PS1 behind during this peak. This was around the time the PS1 was the the market leader, uh just totally destroying the Nintendo 64 and the Saturn at everybody who played games and a lot of the people who didn't play games were all in on the PlayStation at this in 98 and 99. So the fact that the studio was like, we're going to skip this and focus on the PS2 because we think that'll be a stronger foundation for us because we'll have to be coming to this PlayStation 1 thing a bit late was a very smart decision. So... The team began work on their first game, Kinetica, a futuristic racing game where the racers have wheels on their hands and feet. The development of Kinetica was made to serve several goals. 1. Develop a strong engine for PlayStation 2 development. 2. Learn the team's strengths and develop chemistry as a studio. and 3. Prove to Sony that they could deliver a game on time and under budget.
0: I don't remember that game. I'm I, I was sitting here when you were talking yeah. about. I to try and remember, picture it in my head. I don't I remember played that game, game, game at all.
2: Because it's on. It was on PS. Uh, it's on one of the classic games on PS Plus. So I downloaded it and played about an hour of it. It feels like a studio's first game.
0: What where is, it's like,
2: what even is it? It is a futuristic style racing game. The racers are all in like, kind of work out clothes and they have wheels on their hands and feet and ride through loop-de-loop tracks and everything okay it is a very yeah. much a studio's first game but it was made to serve as basically to. it was basically a tech demo but for a studio basically to prove that they have creative chops but also develop an engine that they could add stuff to later so basically, the th- this whole th- the Connecticut was basically made to get the get a foundation for the PlayStation Two, so they could begin to make games for that with Sony's trust, and it worked out great for them. So, David Jaff, the director of Twisted Metal Two and Twisted Metal Black, was chosen to direct uh, with Sharon Studtill producing a new game. That they were developing. Jeff said uh, he owes a lot to Capcom, specifically the game Onimusha. He wanted to combine that game with Greek mythology. And so that was kind of the inception to God of War. And the development philosophy for God of War was to combine the action of Devil May Cry with the puzzle solving of PlayStation 2 game Ico. So the game's design was intentionally, was intentionally simplistic so that the game could introduce new elements and shifts to keep the game interesting from start to finish. Lay a foundation that everyone could understand, but keep constantly. That way you can change it, mold it, develop, and so that way players are in for you for the entire ride, but also you can like, change some stuff up to keep it like going and keep it well paced. In spring 2004, Shannon Stud still had to ask Sony president Shuhei Yoshida for more money to finish the game. The agreement was that he would do it, but her entire career would be on the line. Basically, if this game does, is not a hit, you will lose your job for asking for more money and more time in this situation. But because they were an established studio at this point, he was able to, he trusted him with more money. So the team took a break for Thanksgiving 2004 before they had to settle into crunch mode. Uh, Studstill sent the director of technology, Tim Moss, home with an early build. Studstill was eager to hear what he thought, so she scoured the whole studio when she got back to find him. and he said, uh, it's pretty effing good, is a quote. Uh, so she was finally able to breathe after all that time, going, okay, I think my job is safe here. <laughs> After he spent some time with the tech demo so the tested fi- the tested feedback gave the team the inspiration they needed to finish the project and God of War released on March 22nd 2005 to massive critical acclaim reviews falling in the 9 and 10 range critics pay- praised the combat especially the boss fights compelling story which is something you don't really see a lot for like this time period and especially in action games like this and sound design. The common point of contention is the game's camera and a couple of the game's platforming sequences. God of War which, would win a war... Sorry?
0: Which you see, you think about it at that time period, those kind of games almost always have, like, questionable at best camera movements. It's before you got, like, a really, like, solid dark person. Like, it, what, does this still run off, like, a fixed camera kind of thing? Yeah, I believe Yeah, so, so. It, before they just like, hey, you do it yourself that you know mm-hmm. you've always had a lot of that i mean i think even some of those devil you know the early devil may cries have some weird camera stuff oh for sure so
2: god of war would win awards for best male performance best original score best action game at multiple outlets and to this day is considered one of the best games on the playstation 2 and what's interesting is this game has some connections to games we played this season uh stig um, i'm gonna butcher this guy's name stig uh osmussen who served as lead environment artist on this game and uh, game director for God of War 3 would direct Jedi Fallen Order, the first game we played for this season. Yeah, which he did a pretty good job on that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dave and David Jaffe would mostly would be back in the limelight recently for having some bad takes on Metroid Dread.
0: Jeffrey was also one of those guys. There was like a, there was weird time where video game like outlets and stuff were like trying to like have like superstar creators and stuff. Like you would have like these one or two guys. Like Cliffy B was in the same way and stuff. Where was yeah. like we're gonna ask their opinions on everything. Like they're the <laughs> voice of reason in video games. And you know, Jaffrey never struck me as like that. That you know. Interesting. Like I remember reading lots of interviews with him at the time. He just seemed like a guy who bought a lot of his own hype. But that's just a personal belief. I don't know yeah. if it's true or not.
2: Uh, what struck me as like the Metroid video he did was he was complaining it was like the game has way too many directions and too many rooms you can go in, and then proceeded to disprove himself by going to this room. But look at this room. Oh wait, I can't go in there. Look at this room. Oh wait, I can't go in there.
0: Oh look at this room. It's almost <laughs> like it's a bait and switch and it's smoke and mirrors. <laughs> uh. He's a guy, yeah. What's he doing now? What's Jaffe doing now? I don't know what he's um, been working on.
2: I don't know. Uh, drawn Gosh. to Death was, I think, the last thing he ended doing. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. High quality, high quality. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I am excited about playing God of War. I think it's a game that uh, I will enjoy. I like third-person action games. I, yeah, I like Greek mythology and I like over-the-top insanity. So I'm hoping for the best here. And like I said, I have a lot of this kind of like known through osmosis. But um, yeah, I think it should be interesting. I'm looking forward to playing it. What's our stopping point for God Almighty? All right. This will be a two-parter.
2: The stopping point is going to be a tricky one because there's no late queen chapter break here. Uh, There is a major story cut scene shortly after
0: entering the architect son's tomb. Architect Son's Tomb. Watch the cutscene, watch the big story moment, and then yeah. that'll be you'll your go, stopping
2: point. You'll go through a couple of rooms, there's a big story sequence that you'll feel like, this seems like a halfway point story sequence. And guess what, it is! It is! Then find, as always, go to the nearest save point, save, and we'll continue playing after our first discussion. I am very excited for this. Never played A God War, so I don't know... The full story of what's going on. So I'm excited to finally play through one of these games. This is one of the biggest, like, blind spots in terms of gaming for me.
0: So. Yeah, I think it'd be cool. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you can see us next time on State of the Save in a couple of weeks where we'll be talking about God of War. You can join us for that. Until then, you can follow us on our social medias at State of the Save, at Gmail, uh, at Twitter, Instagram uh youtube and tiktok for some reason i keep getting my email address in my head anytime i say follow us at if you can follow us at the email address congratulations you figured that out add us uh, to your um, contacts yeah yeah
1: <laughs> let us bite. see all your google docs
0: <laughs> please don't send me google Docs. <laughs> <laughs> nah, i have, s- I have several like
2: spreadsheets i'll send people <laughs>
0: I like I that like, you were thinking that that's what you're going to get in return. Carlo. <laughs> I, have like, um, I have like
2: 10 living spreadsheets for this show. <laughs> I'll be like, you want to see behind the scenes? I'll post some <laughs> spreadsheets. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, this is like staythesaveatgmail.com is the email address. Don't send us your damn Google Docs. I ain't going to look it <laughs> um, I will. I'll, I will <laughs> two out of the people here will look at the damn thing Uh, I will not Um, but yeah you can follow us on all the fun social media platforms Uh, and thank you for listening as always stay safe out there